Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. The text for my message today comes from uh, 1 Samuel. And to kind of get what's going on here, uh, Samuel was the last judge of Israel. And he's also prophet. And the last great prophet uh, uh, after Moses. And uh, the people of Israel decided they wanted a king. And so God appointed or anointed or had anointed Saul to be king. Well, Saul fell out of favor with God. And uh, if you read chapter uh, 15, you'll, you'll kind of get what's going on that that. Uh, uh, Saul and, and Samuel have had a parting and Samuel knows that Saul's days are numbered as king and uh, numbered in his life as well. So this is where we pick it up in, in chapter 16. The Lord, and that's Yahweh, that's God. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the, Lord anointed, the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or, the, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the out, outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made Shammah pass. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. 
And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Then he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, let's uh, join me, please, in a, in a word of prayer. Father, I uh, give you thanks for being here. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all hearts here would be pleasing to you. And Father, now I ask for your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit descend upon me and envelop me and place your words in my mouth. Please remove my words, my thoughts and ideas. And I pray, Lord, that I'm not distracted nor tempted. So that in this message, Lord, these people hear you as you use my voice. I pray for these listeners, Lord, each and every one. Maybe there's somebody here today who's struggling in their faith. Maybe there are others who are very strong in their faith. Maybe there are some here who are doubting you. Maybe somebody showed up and has never been here before. For all of these people, Lord, I ask that you send your spirit into their hearts, minds, and souls. That your spirit take your words, begin faith, and grow faith, and answer doubts. And lastly, Lord, I pray that this message be all about you and not about me. Take away my pride, my ego, my arrogance, my selfishness. Take away my need to be told that this is a good sermon. I pray, Father, that in this message, your name is praised and glorified and the crucified and risen Christ proclaimed. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, the Lord be with you. Thank you. Very interesting uh, narrative here in the Bible. Very interesting account as to as to what's going on, and I, I kind of set the stage for you as to as to what's happening. And we're going to kind of pull out selected verses from here and 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 refer to other parts of Scripture as well, because this is some pretty strong stuff. First of all, we see that that uh, God sends Samuel uh, to Jesse's family. The reason is we know that Jesus family tree dates back, well, well, before Jesse, of course, but Jesse is named. David is a son of Jesse. And, you know, we always picture David as this pretty sharp guy. You know, David was uh, at one time the most feared man in the world. David never lost a war. He never lost a battle. You know, David was, was, uh, was revered as a hero, as a great general, as a great tactician, as a great strategist. That was David. But look what happens when God sends Samuel to anoint the next king. David was so insignificant in the family, he wasn't even there. God says to Samuel, go meet Jesse, meet his family, and anoint the next king. And Jesse parades all of his sons in front of him, except David, because David is insignificant. He's out tending to the sheep. Nobody really cares about him. He's, 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 he's a nothing in, in the family. But look what God did through him. 
Now Samuel leaves, leaves and, and he goes to, to, to see Jesse and he comes upon the elders of the, of the church and to, or of the town. Did you notice that they were scared? How does it read that? They came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling. Why in the world would they be trembling? Well, Ben and Nathan, when you guys are pastors and somebody's leaving the church that day and you're shaking their hand and you say to them, hey, would you mind stopping by my office this week? I have something I want to talk to you about. You know what's going to happen? They're going to walk in there, they're going to sit down, and they're going to say, I feel like I've been summoned to the principal's office. What did I do wrong? That's what happens. Well, that's what happened here. The people thought because... Samuel was a judge. He was coming there to, to do something, to, the, to chew them out for something, to, to admonish them, to call them on the carpet, whatever it may be. He says, no, I'm here to sacrifice. Doesn't say I'm here to anoint a king. But this insignificant guy, this insignificant kid named David, is anointed. Really cool, right here at the end it says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. You see, it's really after the anointing that the story of David really begins. He joins Saul's team, and he challenges Goliath. Just a question for you, what are the Goliaths in your life that you need to challenge? What are the Goliaths in your life that are going on right now that need God to challenge and answer and win? Maybe somebody here has got a, a, an addiction problem. Don't be ashamed of that. A lot of people have addiction problems. But there are Goliaths going on in your life right now. And my prayer is that you ask God to help you overcome those Goliaths. But the story of David really begins right after he's, he's, uh, he's chosen by God. Did you notice in the script here? I'll pretend I'm Ben. I'm not nearly as tall nor as handsome. But, but Ben was standing here, and Nathan's over here, and I'm not nearly as tall or handsome as his either. And, and Nathan is asking Ben to join the team. We, in fact, I think he said, we've chosen you. How cool is that to be chosen? Were you chosen? You know, Jesus says in, in the Gospel of John... Uh, Gospel of John, verse, uh, uh, chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Think about that, friends. You know, the word anointed is used a number of times in the Bible. And we really don't do a lot of anointing today. At least it's not commonplace in the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. But anointing really means to be set apart to be set apart by God. 
As I mentioned in my children's message, you were named by God, and in your baptism you were marked with the sign of the cross on your forehead and on your heart. You were marked by God, and you were set apart. Jesus says here in John, I have chosen you so that you will do what? You will go. You know, so many times in the church, we do a lot of sitting and very little going. When I left the, the, the parish ministry and joined the uh, fundraising team at Concordia University, Ann Arbor, Michigan, I remained a member of my congregation. Now, that's not always the norm. In fact, the advice is, is that you leave and stay away. However, I met with the staff and leadership of the, of the, of the congregation and said, you know, I, I'll totally back out. I'll just show up at church. It was a miserable four years because all I did was sit. I didn't teach. I got to preach a time or two. I didn't attend any meetings. Well, part of that was good. Talk to Pastor, talk to Max sometime about meetings, all right? But, you know, when we had our, like a voters meeting, you know, we had them once a year at my congregation. I, I didn't go. It would be inappropriate for me to raise my hand and challenge something, so I didn't go. It was a lousy four years. In fact, I told people this is the first time in my adult life where I haven't done anything in a church. Didn't do anything. My wife, now that's another story. She was hip deep in ministry there. I was a pew sitter. What about you? Are you a pew sitter? Now, I recognize that some of you, because of, of uh, your, your, your physical health, it, it's difficult to get out of the house at times. I understand it's difficult to, uh, to, to volunteer time at the church. It's a, a, the transportation may be an issue. But that's not all of you. You know, you're in the process of, of, of looking for a pastor. And here's the cool news. God's already got him picked out. You just need to find him. But what does this mean to you? I was at an installation of a pastor yesterday at a little tiny church out west of here in Beaufort, Missouri. A good friend of mine was installed as pastor there. And it's really interesting in, in the right of installation, the charge that the uh, installer gives to the pastor, but also the promises that a congregation makes. And you know, so many times, uh, many times my experience tells me is that everybody wants to sit in the pew, everybody wants to make comment, and when the church isn't growing, that's the pastor's fault. Well, you know, if we only had a pastor that, fill in the blank. But friends, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, chapter 4, verse 11, and he, meaning God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, get this now, pay close attention to what I'm saying, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, get this now, for building up the body of Christ. A pastor, yes, can help the church grow. A pastor, yes, can uh, uh, prevent the church from growing. But the growth of the church is up to y'all. 
Say that one more time. The growth of the church is up to y'all, not just the guy who's called and ordained. You know, the, there, there was a time when this church was, was thought of, when somebody conceived of an idea of building uh, uh, Epiphany Lutheran Church in Holly Hills. And there had to be a lot of detractors. That's just the way people are. But those people persevered, and this church has a name, and it's a very powerful name, Epiphany. Aha! When I see the light. And Epiphany. How bright is the light of Epiphany Lutheran Church shining today? Better yet, how bright can it shine? You know, Jesus says that we're not to, we don't put a light under a, uh, under a shade. We don't put a light under a bushel basket. We let our light shine. And in choosing you, Jesus says to go. And you may say, well, you know what? I don't really have a whole lot of value here. Where was David right before he was anointed? He was in the fields tending sheep. Not very important. Sometimes we allow others to devalue us. Martin Luther wrote that, you know, no matter how bad I feel, how bad things are, I remember this and I remember this always. I have been baptized. You and I, the baptized children of God. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus knows the, every, the, 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 the very hairs on your head. As I look out for some of you, that's not all that hard to do. You can giggle, that was funny. But Jesus knows the very hairs of your head. That's how valuable you are, are to him. You are so valuable that he died for you. You are so valuable that he suffered for you. You are so val valuable that he was crucified. You are so valuable that he rose again so that your sins would always be forgiven. That is your value to him. So, Saul is out, David is in. The new era of Israel is to begin. An era of power, an era of world dominance. Epiphany Lutheran Church can be a place that can share the gospel here in the Holly Hills area. You can share the gospel around the world. You can be people of the gospel because you've been called by God himself, named by him, anointed by him, set apart for him. So be it. Amen.